Hey, welcome to class five. This class is called Anatomy of the Soul. This is we're really gonna like start getting into the nitty-gritty of like how we work, how the whole system works. It, it's fascinating. I think we'll all find it very fascinating. Um, as a let's do a super quick review. Okay, so class one, we established that good, we translate toiv and good as selfless and ra and evil as selfish. Okay, and humility is the embodiment of goodness, and arrogance is the embodiment of evil. So as such, this is just so important, that arrogance and humility are not traits that we're trying to acquire. That's the foundation of all the traits. That's who we are. They're not just another quality. Okay, then we explained how Toiv and Ra are like irrelevant in regards to describing anything. Toiv and Ra is always about the intention that the human being had. No, no, no occurrence is good or bad. It just is. The good and bad element is to do with the human element of selfish or self, selfless imprinted upon it. And we explain that pardon me, selflessness is really a, a kind of silence, an inner silence whereby you can experience another. Because Coles Mun, there's a chatterbox going off in your head when someone's talking. Um, you're not really listening to them. You're listening to your thoughts about them, which is really an experience of yourself. So we're trying to just quieten down that inner noise and, and to have as few opinions. It's so funny to say this coming from the West. We're trying to have as few opinions as possible. Sometimes you need opinions. Yeah. And you have to. But if you can avoid having an opinion on something, or even even more, even fight having an opinion on something, that's a very good spiritual practice. Okay. Uh, then we spoke about name and essence. You remember that? Remember we spoke about name is like stuff you've got, and essence is really who you are. We can't really talk about you. That's like there's nothing to say. That's so sacred that it's not. You know, whereas all the stuff you've got, your personality and your intelligence and your emotions and your property and all this stuff, yeah, that we can talk about for ages and ages. Yeah. And the goal of having a relationship with somebody is connecting to the person, not the stuff. Everyone looked into their kids' eyes. The, we, when I said, like, on Friday night, I said it's a good spiritual practice to look deeply into your children's eyes when you bench them and, uh, and you'll see that you are reflected in the pupil of the eye, not in the iris. You'll see yourself in the pupil of the eye. Why? Because that self, the actual person, it's all the same. We're all the same. We're all the same. A person's a person. The name of people vary tremendously. You've got huge names and very small names, but a person's a person. Everyone, everyone's on uh, everyone can be related to on the same level as a person. Um, and then we spoke about the idea of merging. This is also in class three about merging with another, which we call identification. We're going to talk about that more today, Bizarre Hashem. Um, and then we really started getting into kind of the nitty gritty of creation and how we said Hashem Echad, which we all say every day, Shema Yisrael. Um, but there appears to be like at least me and him, you know, and you're probably thinking the same thing as well. Yeah. At least when we explain that all of 
we are, all of creation is like, so to speak, like a scratch in the rock. The more something proclaims itself to be, the more, so to speak, Hashem has been removed. But it's not like anything was added to creation. Just like when you scratch your name in the rock, it's not like now there's the rock and something else. There's the rock and the impression of your name, but you didn't actually add anything to the rock. So it's a very important idea to keep that in mind that all the things of this world are really a revelation of himself. Like the fact that you scratch your name in the rock, in the rock was the potential to scratch anyone's name. Basically, every single name existed in the rock. You happened to scratch out your name, but you could have scratched out your husband's name, your children's names, any other name. Yeah, so every single thing you see in the world is just a revelation, so to speak, of him himself. Nothing's been added. So that means a Shemechad. And then we started referring to that, that phenomenon of the appearance of something else is called Klipa. Klipa and Sitra Achra. And we explained how Hashem or anything is done through Ratzon. Yeah. The, 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 the tools that you use to do X, that's varied. But everything that happens is because you wanted it to happen. And then you used whatever you used to make it happen. So that idea of when you want something to happen and it happens, that's like the idea of a spark of you is causing that thing to be. And that's how it is in creation. To speak, a spark of the Abonishloinam, that's what we, when we talk about a spark of Kedusha in something, that's what we're referring to. That little bit of a Shem, his Ratzon, that's causing that thing to exist. Okay. And there's things that a Shem wants for their own purpose, for themselves. And there's things that he wants for an ulterior reason, ulterior, an ulterior motive, like Klipa, which gives us the feeling of being, having our own sense of self, which will, which gives us free will. So he doesn't really want that for itself. He has an alternative, alter, an, uh, an, an, not alternative, what's the word? Ulterior motive to to give us free will so that's called something that he doesn't that's not that's an a means to an end as opposed to an end unto itself okay so the answer to the question we ask the question why do you want to live and the answer is there is no answer to that question there's no why i want to live i want to live there's no i don't have a reason to live living isn't a means to an end living is an end unto itself you know what's really interesting is that's the same answer to why why do you want to have children? There's no reason why you want to have children, as we as we can attest to. I'm just joking. There are reasons, but but there's no reason why you want to have children. There's also no reason why you want to get married as well. That's just you. It's like like we said. Remember asking the sun, "Why are you shining?" Be like, what are you talking about? Why am I shining? I shine. I'm the sun. That's what I do. Yeah, but why? It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the same. That's the answer to why do you want to live? Why do you want to get married? Why do you want to have children? Basically, anything that animals do naturally, you don't have a reason for. You might attach reasons to them and think you have reasons for them, but, but they're, they're well beyond reason. They're well beyond reasons. Okay. Okay, so look, what we're going to try and do now is a very um, 
what's the word? You're going to try and do a lot, a very not hopeful, what's the word? Um, hopeful is a good word, but there's a better word when you take on a big thing to do. Okay, whatever, we're going to try and do it. Okay, the question is, what what is a soul? What's a nefesh? Okay, and I know that most people would think, you know, like I always used to have like, you know, Casper the ghost, that little, like the little white blobby ghost thing. That's, you know, souls like something like that, like a kind of like cloudy kind of thing, yeah? But it, a, a soul that we have passed down, our tradition has passed it down, is an incredibly specific, detailed thing, okay? So a soul, first things first, a soul is not a thing, it's a someone. A soul is a, is a, is a being, not a thing, okay? The world divides into beings and things, um, and our goal is to see the being in everything. But but souls are very much beings; they're not things. Okay, a soul could be could be described as a highly ordered energy. Okay, you've got the idea of an energy, just some kind of power, but we're talking about an energy that has been ordered and systemized and structured, in a sense, just like when you've got an idea. It's not a physical thing. But it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. Yeah, that's the same idea as a as a soul. We're going to explain this. The goal right now is to give a big overview of the soul, and then next class we'll go into more specifics. But you have to know that each everything we're talking about here, we could literally speak about for hours. Literally, the depth of how much further it goes is is amazing. But the goal is to just get a basic a basic picture okay to put it very simply if you want to just use our very simple 2023 words is a soul is a wanting knowing feeling behaving being wanting knowing feeling and behaving that's what a soul is well that's really what a soul does um and obviously a soul a nefesh doesn't have any physicality to it but there are degrees in spirituality just like you know if you were to look at you know the sotma rebbe zatzal the old sotma rebbe rebbe he looked like kind of like very like angel like yeah and like compare him to like mike tyson or someone like that in the physical world you've got levels of like He's like just much less of a physical being than like Mike Tyson. You see where I'm from, yeah? That's the people I learned. So, so that's the, this is the idea in spiritual, just like in physicality, you've got levels of physicality. Like you would say that a fine wine is much more refined than Coca-Cola. Yeah. But they're both physical. So to on the level of spirituality, you have levels of, of refinement. So spirituality that's very refined, and then you have spirituality that's much less refined. Okay, so I just want to share my screen very quickly. To take notes in this class is a very good idea because we're going to say a lot of interesting things. Um, does everyone see? Does everyone see this little picture? Yeah. So this is what we're going to discuss: the five levels. Okay. The highest level is going to be called pleasure, oineg. Then rutson, which is will and desire. These two are usually spoken of together. Okay. 
Then we've got intellect. Then we've got emotions. And then we've got behavior. Okay. I'm just going to get that. Okay. So these are basically the five levels. And the, the top two levels, like I said, are really one level, but we are going to talk about them separately. But they're really two, they really are, they're really spoken of as one level. Um, understanding this is like, this is, we're going to understand how, how we work. How do, how do we work? How does it work? Why do I feel like this when this happens? Or why do I behave like this when that happens? This is going to answer everything if we just put a little bit of thought into it. But this is going to be, this is the system. This is the system. Okay, so we've got Oineg, which is the highest level, which we call pleasure. Ruts on will. Seichel, um, intellect. Midas is emotions. And Levushim is behavior. I know Levushim means clothing, but we'll talk about that. Now, this is what you need to have in your mind. Okay, Like we said, a soul is not a physical being obviously, but it has, so to speak, in a spiritual way, and you can think of it like this, it's very helpful. It has a head, it has a body, it, had, it has clothes, and it even has a soul. A soul has a soul, and it even has a soul of a soul. So we're thinking now, that it's a, it, it really becomes like, you're, you look at a person, they are a walking diagram, literally a diagram of what the soul is, literally a diagram, literally. And the biggest trip is that if you learn Kabbalah, you'll see that the, the form of a human being, male and female together, yeah, is literally not just it's not just a, a pitch. It, it's the diagram of all of creation, literally. To the well, it's not even a diagram. It's a reven, It's the reason why we look like we look is because that's how Hashem made creation. It looks like a big man, a woman, together, whatever. But but when you should be aware of that when you're one of the most amazing things about learning Kabbalah is that you end up looking at a human being and it's like you're looking at the entire plan of all of creation. The eyes, the forehead, the back of the neck, the nose, the mouth, the beard, the shoulders, the hands, the belly button. Ev everything is spoken about, everything in great detail. And it's, it's exactly how he made the world. So your body is actually a diagram of your soul. It's not that it happens to look the same. Your body is a diagram of your soul. So your soul has a head. We call that the intellect. Your soul has a body. We call that the emotions, the midas. Your soul has clothing. Yeah, that's called behavior. And your soul has a soul. That's called rotson. And the rotson has its own soul. So your soul has a soul of a soul. That's called oineg, pleasure. Okay. So let's try and understand so let's start at the beginning pleasure pleasure is not really the beginning pleasure pleasure is the essence of your soul now this is a very important idea when you eat a piece of chocolate you would say it gives me pleasure yeah assuming you like chocolate yeah but we're gonna scrap that chocolate does not give you pleasure chocolate touches your pleasure 
to say it like this is going to help us understand what pleasure actually is. Pleasure is not something you get from other stuff. Pleasure is the, the essence, essence of who you are, and it is touched by stuff. Everyone gets the dick dick there, like it's a little subtle, but it's clear, yeah? Meaning there are certain things, for example, yeah, like my kids like that um, that stuff, gala, you know, like the cow foot jelly gala. It's like, yeah, I, I for me, it makes me feel ill. My kids enjoy it. So for them, it touches their pleasure. For them, it's a, you know, real, wow, we got gala. Yeah? For me, it's like, keep, please keep that away. So there are certain things that touch my children's pleasure and they don't touch my pleasure. And there are clearly things in the world that basically give pleasure to everyone. I'm not going to get into pain right now, but the, the idea of pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain are similar. They're not really similar. They're two sides of the same coin. But the foundation of everything is pleasure. Why? Because, well, let's answer, answer this question. Can anybody answer this question? Why do you like pleasure? Makes you feel good. Well, that's pleasure. Why do you like It connects you. You feel like a, I don't know, something inside, you know, just makes, I don't know. <laughs> the reason why you like pleasure is there's no reason why you like pleasure. Just like why you want to live. Pleasures, from pleasure flows all the reasons why you do everything else. Reason begins much lower down than pleasure. Reason begins in um, in Seichel. That's only two levels removed. So, so pleasure, why do you like pleasure? I don't know. What are you talking about? I like pleasure. Everyone likes pleasure. There's no reason why you like pleasure. That's an end unto itself. You pursue pleasure as an end unto itself. Everything that you do is for pleasure. It might be quite removed and it might not have any pleasure in it itself, but it's always for pleasure. That's the motor or to avoid pain. The majority. So you ask your question. Sure. So we were designed that way. That's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's who you are. If you really want to, if somebody says to you, who are you? You would say, I'm pleasure. I mean, they'd think you're mad, but that's what, that's what we're going to see now. Pleasure is pleasure is the essence of who you are. It's what it's it 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 causes everything, literally everything, everything. Now, pleasure is an end unto itself, meaning it has no reason. And therefore, we said it's from pleasure that all the reasons flow. Okay, but this is a very important point. Pleasure itself doesn't really want anything we got what we're gonna say is very abstract so try and just kind of feel what i'm saying more than understand what i'm saying pleasure has no desire to do anything or go anywhere it's like sitting in your house just being in love with life the kids are gone everything's clean and you just get that minute after the whole thing 
and you sit there and the green, you know, the trees outside the window, you just sit there and you're like, ah. And then the phone rings and they go, and then you get caught up with everything else. Yeah. But that 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 experience of just of being and being content, that's a good muscle for what pleasure is. Pleasure doesn't want to do anything, doesn't want to go anywhere. It just wants to be. So now how does it go out and do anything? That's called will. Ruts on. Ruts on now is the external manifestation, if you want to use a funny word, is the external manifestation of pleasure. Pleasure is just happy being. Ruts on now wants to go out and do stuff. You can't really have pleasure without ruts on, but it's the pleasure that energizes the ruts on, the will. Now, Rutson wants more. So Rutson would be like the experience of sitting in your house in a nice, comfortable chair, thinking, I want a more comfortable chair, or I want a more beautiful house, or I want a bigger this. I want, I, it's pleasure moving out of itself. You, you hear what I'm saying? It's very abstract. Are you feeling a little bit what I'm saying? Makes a little bit of sense, like on a kind of, internal level good because it shouldn't really make much sense on an intellectual level because this is all beyond intellect intellect begins after this so rutson now rutson is the energy it is pleasure enclosed in a in some kind of form it's become an energy see pleasure even to call pleasure an energy is a little bit like because it's not doing, it's just there. It just is. It, you know what? Can I ask you something? Sorry? May I ask you something? Sure. So pleasure is being, and Ratzon is the channel of how you channel the pleasure? Um, no, no, no. Because remember, pleasure doesn't move anywhere. Pleasure goes out. The next level? It's Lower. not, well, pleasure, this is, again, you don't like, I don't know if you heard the beginning, we said that pleasure is touched. Your pleasure is touched by things. Things don't give you pleasure, they touch your pleasure. Uh -huh. So it's the ruts on that your pleasure, so to speak, sends out to have itself touched more, in a sense. It, it will get a little clearer right now. The And we're going to, anyway, move away from these levels because these levels are very 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 abstract right it's going to get much more concrete but but let's just keep going for a minute that rutson is basically a a chaotic energy rutson is an energy you know you meet people who just like they just they when they want something like you everyone's got a kid who like i got i got a kid who anything he wants he like really wants it you know and I got other kids, they want it. You can convince them in a second that they don't want it. But then you've got, I've got a kid who's like, if he wants it, it's going to happen within, you know, within a few moments. Yeah, there's just this kind of, that's the level of Rutzen. Rutzen's a chaotic energy. Is it good or bad? It's neither. It's just an, it's just a chaotic energy. It depends where it goes. 
It doesn't, it, it's not as, as ruts on itself before it goes into what we're going to call Midas and things like that. It doesn't really want anything. It just wants. The question is, what it's, what's it going to get connected to? What are you going to want? But that power of wanting is going to be, it's just a power. It's just generic power, like, like, like uh, electricity. Electricity could, if you plug in your, your air conditioner, electricity can produce cold air. If you plug in your oven, electricity will produce hot air. If you plug in your car, electricity will cause it to move. So that's the energy. What, what happens to that energy? Where is it going to go? That's the question. But 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 Rotson is just energy, pure energy. Okay. So you could think of it a little bit like this, like the sun. Yeah, the orb of the sun, the actual, like the, the actual round ball of the sun. What energizes that? Where is it getting its energy from? And the answer, OP physics, what I understand is like like nuclear fusion going on. It's like, basically to think of it in, a, in this way, it's like stuff going on in a different dimension. Stuff happening in a different dimension that causes the ball of the sun to become the ball of the sun. That's exactly the muscle for Oineg and Rotson. Oineg is completely otherworldly. It's so far from this world. It's so distant. It's so... And it's so um, disembodied, so ethereal, so abstract. It's so spiritual, yeah? Rotson is that energy that's not even called an energy. It's just so... The next stage where it becomes this powerful, powerful energy. You hear the thing? Is, do you get, you get the idea a bit? Bit? No? A little bit? Okay. Um, so now, how do we harness Rutson? Like we said, Rutson is just like Kashmal, just electricity. It, it's like lightning. You want to try and lightning just smashing around everywhere. The chances are it's going to be very distracted, very destructive. How do you harness that? How do we harness Rutson? Any ideas? actions um not a bad not a bad guess and in like a sense it's kind of right but but it, there's a much more much more like normative answer with our intellect yes that is what our intellect does our intellect is masader our intellect organizes intellect is an organizer is a system is a systemizer and through ordering the rutson, that's how we start using our rutson effectively. Like I just, I give the example, I gave it last week, like we need to clean out the bomb shelter in our, in our apartment in Israel, in Jerusalem. And it was like, it was me against like eight, you know, eight, fa eight Israeli families. And it was like my rutson versus all of them. And I just decide like that. But the question is, how are you going to implement it? Am I just going to start screaming and shouting at everyone? Yeah, that's not going to help. 
So I had to work out what that that's the internet channeling. I had a very strong ruts on. I needed the Miklat to get the uh, the bomb shelter to get emptied. It was full of stuff. I had a very intense ruts on for that to happen. Now the question is, where's that going to? How am I going to? How am I going to implement that and move that? How am I going to? How am I going to order that so that it will become a? It will become productive and effective and efficient. And that's called intellect. Okay. The intellect is actually selfless. Your intellect's just like a calculator. Like the idea of one plus one equals two, yeah? That's got nothing to do with you whatsoever. If you if you vanish tomorrow, one plus one would still equal two. One plus one equals two is a objective truth your intellect is looking for that that's your intellect is connected to objective truth it's got nothing to do with you intellect is about it about that not about me now your love for someone now if you disappear tomorrow your love for someone will also disappear tomorrow your love is in is not just about you it's exclusively about you the intellect's got nothing to do with you. Intellect's just a it's just a machine. It's just a, it's just a tool that you have, like your phone, like your computer. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a uh, it's just one of your tools. It's not you. The emotions are much more you. Let we'll talk about it. So now intellect breaks down. Again, we're gonna give classes about this as we go on, we'll get this clearer, but just to just to open up the, the idea. Intellect breaks down into three parts. It's called Chochma, Bina, and Das. Okay, and that's where the acronym Chabad comes from. As we all know, Chabad. Yeah, that's the Chochma, Bina, and Das. So the intellect works like this. Um, you basically have a flash of an idea where the entire idea is completely contained. And then there's another part of your brain that kind of unzips and gives length and breadth and depth to that kind of um, not generic. How do you say it? Generic um, um, germ. That germ-like. That ger it's exactly the muscle that the analogy of of uh, how a baby's made. Yeah, the male aspect is this packet of um, like DNA, like everything's encoded there and then the female element gives it length and breadth and depth and unfolds it in the process of the womb of Rahula, yeah? that's exactly how it works so that's the idea and it's actually interesting because it's called a um, conception which is the idea of, a, of an idea to conceive an idea but to conceive a child it works in the exact same way the exact same way mamash so so the first part of the mind is called Chochma, which is like the entire idea like a good example is um i got a friend who's like a property developer i say like imagine he's driving past like this big open like wasteland area and he stops his car and he gets out and he looks he's like and he sees he sees like you know the big bill it's just a desert it's just a desolate wasteland but within that one second he sees the shopping center and the and the, the big buildings and the the park and the whole and he just sees the whole thing in like like that 
that's the idea like hit him bang wow might even have a name to it or something yeah but he sees the whole idea it's very real to him yeah but now what does he do now he gets on the phone and he starts calling his team and he starts getting the architects and the planners and the the chule and, and the whole and now now we have to start giving length and breadth and depth to the idea we're not talking about now building it's still the idea but once he's seen it now he needs the people to start drawing up the plans and to start getting getting on with the details on an intellectual level how many rooms how much um how much materials how are we going to do the electricity and the water and how's it going to work with this? And how's it going to work with that? And what, etc. That's how the mind works. So you get the 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 the, the 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 flash of the idea, and then we extrapolate and we give length and breadth and depth to the idea. That's called chokhmah and bina. Chokhmah is that aspect of the mind that experiences the the whole idea in germ form, and then bina is the the analytical mind so to speak that starts unfolding it and unpacking it and and questioning it and analyzing it and comparing and contrasting and and the whole thing and it starts now that little flash that's going to be gone in a second if you don't do something with it is now starting to starting to take form that's exactly the motion of the man and the woman the woman gives form and etc yeah the man just gives a a, um, a, a genetic code, so to speak. Now, this is the really cool part of the mind. Um, anyone's into anything right now, like a project or someone can tell me something that has like... It's a, a little choppy. What, the... Oh, you can't hear? I can't do anything. Is that better? I think my internet... Is it better now? You hear? Yes? Can you hear? Okay. Um, anybody's like, do you, anyone's got a project on right now? Doing a project? No? Anything at work that's like, um, that's uh, like got you, got your mind or anything? I'm making Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow night. <laughs> okay. So that so so um that's a great idea. You're making Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow night, yeah? So right now Thanksgiving is right in your mind, yeah? You go out tonight with your husband, yeah? And you go out for a meal and you're sitting in the restaurant and you hear the person behind you say Thanksgiving. What happens? Start thinking about think what I have to do. <laughs> but you would probably turn around. It would catch your attention, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. In the exact same way as if they were to say your name. Depending on how, like, you're, you're probably not so into it. But if you're into, like, a project at work, I don't know, call it the Windsor Project, yeah? You're, whatever it is. And you're, like, into it, yeah? You're really, it's completely taking you over and you're out for dinner with your husband and you hear somebody next to you say Windsor, you would, it would literally be like, they just said, literally. Yeah. 
what happened? How comes you hear them say the word Windsor, you flip around. If they said something else, you wouldn't have even heard it. Because it's at the forefront of your mind. So it's you just pick up on it. It's like the same if you um, like meet someone new in the neighborhood and then all of a sudden you see them everywhere, but you wouldn't have necessarily seen them before because you didn't know them. But it's kind of... So it's a little di- I, that that's a little different. That, that really, what's happening here? It's not. It's not so much that. It's more that you've become identified with a certain project. It could also be in that sense you become identified with a certain person as well. It could be that they start you start seeing them all around or whatever. Yeah, but the the point is when you when you put your beaner into an idea with a lot of energy. What will eventually start happening is you'll become identified with the idea. And like we said in previous classes, identified means that your sense of self and the idea become enmeshed and entangled with each other. So that's why you would turn around in the same way as if they actually said your name. Because you and that idea have become one. Your sense of self and the idea have started to merge with each other. And if you're really into the idea, then your sense of self and your idea become mamash one with each other. Everyone's with me? And this is what gives birth to emotions. Because we said intellect is completely unemotional. It's got nothing to do with you. It's completely abstract. It's completely objective. It's about that. Once we start extrapolating and understanding and articulating and comparing and contrasting and analyzing, etc., yeah, now we start becoming more and more connected to the idea. It becomes personal. Now there's me. Now the idea has relevance to me. It's not just an idea. It's about me now. And that's what gives birth to emotions. Because like we said, intellect has got no connection to emotion whatsoever. Emotion, sorry, intellect has got no connection to self. Inter, uh, emotion is completely about self. You say, I love you. It's about me. It's about my love for you. Without me, there isn't my love for you. It's not like one plus one equals two. One plus one equals two is the same for me, for you. And if I'm here, if I'm not here, it's all the same. But my love, yeah, well, it needs me. My fear needs me. Now that we're going to understand emotions in the most simple way. It's so simple because we think of emotions as these crazy complex you know, things that just like, whatever, yeah, it really is not, okay? Under Alpi, Hasidus and Kabbalah, emotions boil down to two. There's only two emotions and they can be mixed with each other, yeah? But there's only two emotions. Uh, in Hebrew, it's called Ava and Yira. Ava is always translated as love and that makes a lot of sense. Yira, we translate a lot of the time as fear, 
it's fear it could be a lot of things you could translate year as fear respect or even hate like it it, it, it really depends on the text. but this is how we understand it yeah it's interesting no one knows this yeah just do a little kiss your finger and and ask yourself what actually is a kiss so interesting a kiss if you actually just kiss your finger you'll see a kiss is just like a little suck that's all it is you like just suck in okay if something repulses you the the immediate like the inner response like the 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 um the instinctual response is like to to push away that's love and fear that's Ava and Yira. Ava is bringing close and Yira is pushing away. So simple. That is emotion. Emotion is the energy of attraction or repulsion. I want this or I don't want this. I want more of this. I want to come closer to this. I want to get further from this. You with me? That's all emotion is. Now there's things like joy and um, anxiety and depression. These are not emotions. We will discuss all of the other things, Bezrat Hashem. But talking on a very technical level, and I suppose a lot of people wouldn't talk like this, but on a technical level, they were understanding things. Emotion is the movement towards that we call love or the movement away that we call fear or respect. Now, really, what that is now, when we plug the whole thing in, what we've just said, is pleasure becomes manifest as Ratson, which is just this, like, ball of energy that's just, yeah? Through the intellect, we now channel down that energy, and we masadder it, and we form it, and we make it usable, and that's the energy that's being expressed through our love and fear. Love and fear is the energy of Rotson in a manageable package. You with me? Yes, yeah, so everyone's clear so far. We've got this ethereal, completely disembodied thing called Oineg, which is really the source of who you are. And there's no reason for it, yeah? That's just you. That becomes manifest immediately as rutson, which is just will, want, desire. Pardon me. But for what? That's we don't know yet. Then we use our mind, and the mind takes that raw energy and masadder it and orders it and systemizes it until it becomes functional and helpful as either an attraction towards something or a repulsion away from something. Very simple. Now, although it just, you can remember it by emotion, emotion, meaning movement towards or away. Yeah, so very helpful. Now, what happens when you have strong emotions? What's the next thing that happens? It's the behavior, the next part. Exactly. Emotions need to express themselves as a behavior. So there's this, there's this picture. Let me just try and find it a second. 
This is a famous picture. Um, let me just share my screen. Everyone see this picture of the flowers? You see that? I'm not sure if you're looking at you. Did you see the flowers? Yes. Yeah. So this is a football ground. This was like in the 80s, I think. There was a um, there was this like disaster where there was this big crush like near my house. And I think like 150 people died. It was like the hub, like a Meron thing, but like on a bigger scale. And it like load, like there was a big influx and they had this perimeter fence and loads of people got killed. Yeah. Look at, do you see this? This is only a little bit of it. You see like a few days later, the entire stadium was filled with flowers. The entire stadium filled with flowers. What happened? Everybody just had these crazy strong emotions they just had to do something. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to open up like a, you know, a fund for the people's families. I'm sure some people did that. Yeah. But but just everyone had to do something. When you have a real emotion, you have to do something. It has to express it. If it doesn't express itself, it will be called a repressed emotion and it will pop out at some other point, as we all know, in some kind of some some other way. That's that's what behavior is. Behavior is the final manifestation of the whole system. Behavior is thought, speech, and action, okay? Thought is also considered behavior. Speech, obviously, and action, that's that is that's by definition. But we're going to look at those three things. And like I said, we're going to spend next week and the week after getting more involved in understanding this, the nuances of it all. But that's how... That's how... Um, um, that is how emotions express themselves as behavior and that's the end of the system so it goes from that very beginning level like we said and the final stage of how the whole thing ends up is as a is as a behavior now this is just very interesting just the title when we finish at this point is that highest level that we spoke about which we called oineg and Ratson, remember we spoke about them as one, one level, Oinig and Ratson, that's called Kessa. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard that, it's like a very Kabbalistic term, that's called Kessa. Okay, crown, goes above the head. Yeah, because it's really not, it's not really in your power. That That's the, that's working on the system, it's not within the system. That you can, you've got power over your, over your seich or over your intellect, but not really over your rutson and your, like you can't lose the will to live. Like your desire to live is not like, it's not a choice. That's just, that's just, it is. So it's called, it's called crown. It's above the head. The highest level in the system is called hochma, which is of the intellect. That's represented by the letter yud. Okay. The letter above yud is a kaf. Kaf represents the letter, the, the word kesa, crown. Okay. So the letter kaf represents this highest level of kesa, which is, we said, oineg and ratzon, which are, they're really, like I said, one is the inner part, one is the outer part. They're really together. You can't really have one without the other. Now, this is really, really interesting, is that 
the word cuff is also this is cuff cuff yard the palm of your hand is called a cuff so this is exactly the whole point is the whole system is about really the action what comes out at the end your hand represents action so your hand being your koyach of the ultimate koyach of action is really a revelation of that part not you can't even call it a part of you it's not a part of you it's the essence of who you are and it expresses itself through your hand that's why it's called cuff that's by the way why a handshake is a handshake why why is a handshake so hoshev is because it's the coming together of the two essences of the person that's the word yidid yad yad yidid means two hands that's koyach that's when two people come together and that's by the way when you speak to someone in hebrew how do you refer to them second person like you'd say lefanecha mashlom cha or mashlom chem with a chaf the chaf is the person like we said when you're sitting face to face with someone you're saying you, you, you. You're not saying their name. Why? Because you're communicating with the kessa, the essence of the person, mamash. That's the chaf. And when you shake hands, it's the... So we've just described this whole intricate system, and we described it on the most basic, basic, basic level you could ever describe it on, yeah? But we gave a good overview, I hope, as Hashem, of the system. But really you have to see it as, a, as an organic whole. We need to know how to work the system, but it's all just one order. And that's the soul. That's what a nefesh is. Like we said, it's an ordered energy. Does that make a little bit more sense to you now? It's, a, it's an ordered, systemized energy. That's the soul. It starts at Oineg. It becomes manifest as Ratzon. It gets processed through seichel, through intellect. It gives birth to emotions, and the emotions become enclosed in behavior. That's the soul. Any questions? Yeah, can I ask something? So when a person is in complete equanimity, like um, in Hebrew, like a shtavis, that's when they're in touch with their oinek. Uh, I, I, yeah, could be other things as well, maybe. But but um, when you're in touch with Oineg, you're it's not really you're in touch with Oineg. That means it's you've managed to distance yourself from everything else. You are Oineg. And if you want to make it really trippy, is what's the whole story of Rabbi Akiva? You remember the story of Rabbi Akiva, how he was killed. They stripped away, it says in the Gemara, they, they stripped away his skin with iron combs. And he was like smiling, laughing. What was that? That's the highest level when you realize that actual pleasure and pain are actually not different. That that's 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 a level that when a person has become so connected to reality. 
whether we call it pleasure or pain is to do with our take on it. But really, we're just talking about touching the person. And that's why that's why pain, You, when someone's in pain, they know they're alive. It's, it's a scary thing. But when someone is experiencing pleasure, like, you know, Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. I don't think he actually said that exactly. But the real statement, the way I understand it, would be to say, I experience pleasure, therefore I am. When you're experiencing pleasure, you know that you really are. And it's the same when you're experiencing pain. You know that you really are. Because it's the same, that's you. That's the you being touched. So equanimity, like what you're saying, which everyone is looking for in this generation, really, you know, is when a person becomes connected on this level, there could be other like kind of psychological things you could do. When a person becomes so connected to the source of who they are, everything else is just like, it's just stuff. Is it good? Is it bad? Good and bad only begins in the level of intellect. Otherwise, it's so. So, what do you mean? It's good. It's bad. It's it just is. And I have to react in this way. I have to react in that way. But good and bad are, are labels that we impose on it from our intellect. If we are higher up than that, then there is no good and bad. It's all, it's just it just is. What's the halacha? That's a good question. Okay, any other questions? Okay, everyone should be well. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.